Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for you today is that the message you hear will encourage you and inspire you to walk closer with Jesus this week. Again, let's welcome Luke Arce. God bless you. Well, good morning, church. How's everyone doing this morning? Hopefully well. Um, Man, that was awesome worship, wasn't it? Um, Just a chance to be able to come and worship the Lord. In fact, all this week, uh, I've just been on the piano and just worshiping. Um, I'm so thankful that I I get a chance to worship the Lord and and how I get to worship the Lord. And um, the fact that I get to be here with all of you, I am just overjoyed and also humbled. A few weeks ago, Josh, um, Pastor Josh, I should say, called me up and said, hey, uh, me and Faith will have to be out of town this week, and I would love if you would come and speak, speak for the church. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. I said, but are you sure? I mean, it's the last Sunday of the year. You know, not too many pastors would give off that Sunday. And uh, I just feel so humbled to be here and uh, just glad that I get to encourage you as the church. One thing you should never do, I'm just going to tell you this right now, um, when you guys come and speak up, is don't ever come with gum in your mouth, all right? So um, uh, my wife right here, she, she's, she's going to help me as I... Uh... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, Samantha, this is my lovely, beautiful wife, right? That, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm so happy this year. Uh, as I reflect back on 2019, uh, one thing that me and Sam had a goal this year was, I told her at the very beginning of the year, I said, we have a three-part goal this year. Um, and the three-part goal was uh, to get engaged, to buy a house, and to get married. And on March 4th, I got down on one knee and proposed to Sam. And thank God she said yes, right? <laughs> um, she's like, were you nervous that... Uh, were you nervous that I might not say yes? I said, no, I, I, I knew you were going to say yes. I just was nervous on how you might say yes. And I didn't know if you were going to be like, all right. You know, because that would have just broke me down. I would be like, oh, no. Um, but March 4th, we, we did get engaged. And on September 11th, we got the keys to our new home. And on November 3rd, uh, we got married. And uh, I got a ring to prove it. And so praise God for, honestly, his blessings and everything that he's done uh, for us this year. Uh, I don't know how it happened, but it happened, and so thankful, so thankful. And so um, this morning, well, Josh told me that you guys have been speaking about gifts, right, and the gifts that God gives us. And you guys have gone over so many different gifts, um, from the gift of, I believe it was expectancy, right, Expecting God to do great things um, in our life. We talked about the gift of adoption, about how we have been adopted into the family of God, and we've become children of God. Thank God for that, right? The gift of grace. Oh, how much grace he's given us. The scripture says he's given us grace for grace, that not only did it take grace to save us, but it's taking grace to keep us, to working through our, throughout our salvation, right? Um, last week, uh, Pastor Josh talked about the gift of reconciliation, right? That we've been reconciled to God, and because we've been reconciled to God, in turn, we are called to go and reconcile others back to him. In turn, we have been given uh, a calling, and that is to go and reconcile 
people back to God, to let them know that uh, they too are part of this family, that they too, right, they too are called to be a part of this wonderful family of God. And this morning, I'm so thankful that I get to talk about the gift of life. Um, And as I said before, as I reflect back on just this year in my life, I'm so thankful for what God's done. And not even just this year, but as I reflect back throughout my years, and some may be saying, how old is that guy, right? How old is that guy up there? Um, I'm 20 years old, plus nine, right? Um, uh, I'm 29, all right? (laughs) Uh, A lot of people are like, man, even at work, they're like, are you old enough to work here? Um, But serious, serious, 29 years young and just so thankful on all the things that God has done in my life and the places that he's taken me and things that he's been able to do in my life. I just, I can't thank him enough. I can't worship him enough. That's why moments in in worship are just so special, right? Because we get to honor and worship the God that has done amazing things in our life. And so as I talk about uh, the gift of life this morning, I actually want to share a story, okay? And uh, I'm going to read this story, okay? So it's story time. Get comfortable, okay? And this story is it's entitled The Author of Life, okay? Just to set you guys up, uh, I'm going to be in John, all right? Anybody bring their Bibles here this morning? Anybody bring their Bibles? Do people still bring their Bibles to church? Hopefully, right? Um, if it's on your phone, good. I'm not judging you. Just, you know, your new age. and It's, it's cool. Um, I, I grew up, we brought our Bibles to church, right? And I was that kid in high school that brought their, his Bible to high school. I was that weird kid, right? Walked around high school with, with a Bible. Um, but I loved it. <clears throat> and people were like, why are you always carrying that? They did not understand. They did not understand. But they opened the door for me to tell them why. Um, and so, uh, again, this is entitled The Author of Life, right? If I can get there, here it is. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. And if you jump over to verse 14, it says, The Word became a human being. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The God who dreamed. It says this, Seated at the great desk, the author opens the large book. It has no words. It has no words because no words exist. No words exist because no words are needed. There are no words to hear them, no eyes to read them. The author is alone. And so he takes the great pen and begins to write. Like an artist gathers his colors and a woodcarver his tools, the author assembles his words. There are three. Three single words. And out of these three will pour a million thoughts. But on these three words, the story will suspend. He takes his quill and spells the first. T-I-M-E. Time did not exist until he wrote it. He himself is timeless, but his story would be encased in time. The story would have a first rising of the sun, a first shifting of the sand, a beginning and an end. A final chapter. He knows it before he writes it. Slowly, tenderly, the author writes the second word. It's a name. A-D-A-M. As he writes, he sees him, the first Adam. 
Then he sees all the others in a thousand eras in a thousand lands. The author sees them, each Adam, each child, instantly loved, permanently loved. To each he assigns a time. To each he appoints a place. No accidents, no coincidences, just design. The author makes a promise to these unborn, in my image, I will make you. You will be like me. You will laugh. You will create. You will never die. And you will write. They must, for each life is a book, not to be read, but rather a story to be written. The author starts each life story, but each life will write his or her own ending. What a dangerous liberty. How much safer it would have been to finish the story for each atom. To script every option, it would have been simpler, it would have been safer, but it wouldn't have been love. Love is only love if chosen. So the author decides to give each child a pen. Write carefully, he whispers. Lovingly, deliberately, he writes the third word, already feeling the pain. E M M A N U E L. The greatest mind in the universe imagined time. The truest judge granted Adam a choice, but it was love that gave Emmanuel, God with us. The author would enter his own story. The word would become flesh. He too would be born. He too would be human. He too would have feet and hands. He too would have tears and trials. And most, most importantly, he too would have a choice. Emmanuel would stand at the crossroads of life and death and make a choice. The author knows well the weight of that decision. He pauses as he writes the page of his own pain. He could stop. Even the author has a choice. But how can a creator not create? How can a writer not write? And how can love not love? So he chooses life, though it means death with hope that his children will do the same. And so the author of life completes the story. He drives the spike in the flesh and rolls the stone over the grave, knowing the choice he will make, knowing the choice all atoms will make, he pens the end, then closes the book and proclaims the beginning. Let there be light. I just got to let you know, those are the most eloquent, well-put-together words of this sermon, all right? Um, <clears throat> from here on out, you know, we're winging it. Uh, all right, so <clears throat> um, I'm just joking with you guys, but man, I love that story, Max Lucado. Um, he wrote that, and can you imagine, right, the author of life who knows all of our stories and yet gives us our choice, gives us our choice to choose him, to choose life. Like I said, I, I want to hang out in, in John all this week. All this week, I, I've just been digging through the scriptures of John and the gospel of John and just being awed at all the statements that Jesus makes about himself. He says, I am the bread of life, right? Jesus goes and he feeds 4,000 people. And he, he says, even though you eat these food, this food, you're going to be hungry again. But if you chew on me, right? You'll never go hungry again. Martha and Mary are so distraught because Lazarus has passed away. And Jesus doesn't come in time. And Jesus says, no, he will live again. 
And Martha, she doesn't understand it, right? She says, I, I know that people are going to, I know that they're going to come and raise at the end. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Other disciples, they come and they're doubting Jesus. They're saying, would you just show us the way? Would you just show us the way? And Jesus comes and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All throughout, all throughout Jesus' time here on earth, he is showing people who he is. He's showing people who he is, but as we'll read in John chapter 1, they didn't understand it. There were people who did, who grasped it, who caught on to it. But there are others who didn't understand it. Let's read John chapter 1. Here we go. It says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Someone once said that those words are so profound that they should be written in letters of gold. It says, Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness, it didn't understand it. It couldn't comprehend it. And as you move forward a few verses, in verse 10, he says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. But his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. And verse 14, here it comes. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. I love these words. Uh, John, in his gospel, he doesn't, he doesn't do like the other gospels. He doesn't come and share this birth story of Jesus. No, he chooses rather to weave it throughout the message of his gospel, right? And uh, he comes and he says, Jesus came into this world, and what was he? He was this light, right? This light that came into the world, but here it is, and I'm just going to give it to you right at the beginning, right? John chapter 3, he's coming and talking to a man named Nicodemus, and he tells him this, this is the verdict, right? So if we jump over to chapter 3, he says this is the verdict, okay? Um, and let me jump back. John chapter 3, verse 16. We all know this scripture, right? If you don't... Um, <clears throat> You probably weren't raised in the church, right? And even if you weren't raised in the church, most people know this scripture. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And here it is. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. 
Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. This morning as we talk about this gift of life, truly we understand that Jesus coming into this world, dying on a cross for us, right? He gave his life that we might have life, right? But the truth is that in this world, just as the scripture says, the verdict is this. Even though he's come into this world, there are many, many, many people who says, I don't want that, right? I don't understand that. And they go and they choose darkness rather than light. They choose to live life their own way. They choose to build their life on other things rather than build their life on Jesus, build their life on the one true rock. And the story that I want to tell you guys today is one maybe you've heard, but it's a story of a woman. And that woman could relate to a lot of us. Maybe not the specific act, but, oh, the feelings. The feelings of condemnation, the feelings of guilt, the feelings of being caught in the act, right? Has anybody ever been caught in the act and just felt, oh, my gosh, they found me out. They found me out. They found out truly what I was into. They found out the things that I was looking at. They found out the things that I was doing. They found out the things who I, the people who I was hanging out with. And you felt ashamed and you felt guilty because you knew I shouldn't have been doing those things. I, I shouldn't have been looking at those things. I shouldn't have been hanging out with those people. But the story I want to talk about today is story of the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Because I want to tie it into this gift of life. This gift of life that, man, if you have not received it, my prayer is that you would receive it today. And so in John chapter 8, if you haven't heard the story, well, you get to hear it today. It's a wonderful story. John chapter 8. And this will be the last of, of which I read. I know I'm reading a lot this morning, but man, isn't God's word good, Amen. right? Um, I never want to come up like, I never want to come up and, and be like, oh man, Luke's so theatrical and Luke's so good. And then you guys leave and you're like, man, Luke had a great message, you know? Ah, oh, that would be so terrible. Rather, what would bring joy to my heart and more joy to the Lord's heart is, isn't God good, right? Like when you leave this service, it's not like, oh man, that guy was awesome, but more man, how awesome is God and what he's doing in my life, right? Uh, <clears throat> and so uh, that's why I choose to let his word be heard, right? Because, you know, I, I could say a few things. I can make you laugh and do, do different things like that. But truly, um, it's his word that will last and his word that will be here uh, for years to come. So it says this, okay? John chapter 8 Starting in verse 3, here it is. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus, 
catch this, the author and finisher of our faith, bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. Oh, I relate to this story so well. Oh, I relate to this story so well. I can remember being at a young age and um, just struggling, you know, just struggling, struggling in sin, struggling in things that I shouldn't have been caught up in and feeling so condemned, feeling so disgusted with myself, saying, how could I be doing these things and I just can't stop? Can you imagine the the guilt that she must have felt living this life of a living this life of sleeping with another man right completely re- disregarding her own husband her own family her own kids and going and saying you know what i'd rather choose to please myself and the pleasure that i'm going to find is in the arms of another man and then to do that, but beyond that, to be caught in the middle of it, to be caught in the very act of it. How embarrassing, how embarrassing to be caught in the very middle of your sin. And beyond that, how fearful to live in a time where they would literally stone you and take your life for this type of sin. Not only how, how, not only how scared were you or how ashamed were you, but how, how fearful you were for your life to be dragged, right, into the middle of the city, right, to be dragged all the way before Jesus. The thought that comes to my mind right now is my, my, my nephew this, uh, <laughs> my nephew this, um, uh, just this week, he, he got in trouble. He got in trouble. Uh, and he was acting up, and he was not being uh, a very good boy. And, well, mom snatched him up, you know. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, I just remember the look on his face as he's being dragged down the hall. Uh, and he's like, someone help me, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, and I was just like, ah, he's going to get it now. Um but if you can imagine just the sheer terror on this woman's face as it's not a whooping that she's just going to receive, but honestly, it's death that is knocking at her door uh, in this moment. And as they bring this woman to Jesus, Jesus says, he stoops down. I mean, he stoops down to write in the sand. And this is the only recording in in Scripture that we ever see Jesus write anything, right? Um, And we have no idea what he wrote. Scripture doesn't tell us, right? And we could assume all kinds of things of what Jesus might have written down there. Maybe he was just playing, you know, a puzzle or something. We don't know, right? But 
When I think about the author of life who stooped down to write on the ground, recognizing that this woman had written her own story and she had chose to do the things that she had done. But truthfully, there was another story that was going to be written. There was a change, there was a shift in the story that was going to happen in this, this woman's life. As Jesus comes and he says, if there's anybody who, here who, who's not sinned, if there's anybody in this audience who has not sinned, feel free to cast the first stone. I give you every right. If you've lived a perfect life, if you've done everything right, and you've done everything that you should have done, by all means, stone this woman. And there was not one person who lifted up their arm to throw that stone. Everyone dropped those stones and left. What a wonderful gift that Jesus gave this woman. If you compare this, right, to John chapter 3, right, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him, right, all might be saved. And Jesus comes and he tells this woman, where are your accusers? Where are those who have condemned you? She looks around and she sees no one. And he says, neither do I. So what is the response? What is the calling? What does he call her to do? Go and leave your life of sin. That's what he calls her to. Go and leave your life of sin. That's it. And that's how the story ends. We don't know if she went and did it. We don't know if she started following Jesus. We don't know what happened with this woman. We just know Jesus leaves her and says, I'm not here to condemn you. He shows such love, such compassion, such empathy for this woman. He didn't know her. It wasn't somebody that was always around. It was just a woman. She didn't know this man. She just knew that this man had shown her more love than maybe any other man had shown her in her life. Neither do I condemn you. Rather, he says, go now and leave your life of sin. When I think about um, this gift that God has given me, right, and this gift that he offers to the world of his son, this gift of life, this gift of saying, you know what, I have a better life for you, right? John chapter 10, right? He comes and he says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, right? I have come that you may have an abundant life, right? And when I think about the things that I was caught up in and I think about the things that I was condemning myself for, I think about what Jesus did when I had to come and I was faced in that situation. I had been caught in my own very act. Maybe there's some of you here, you remember that time when you were caught in your very own act and you had to fess up. Oh, wasn't it a scary moment? So fearful, right? I didn't want to come into the light. I didn't want my deeds to be exposed. I wanted to hide away. I didn't want other people to look. I did not want other people to see the things that had been done in my life. I wanted to get away. If there was anywhere else that I could get away, man, I would have done it. 
I'll never forget that moment. That moment when it was really a salvation moment for me. It was really a change. I had given my heart to the Lord. And back when I was uh, 17 years old, I remember doing this. And I remember I was, I was so caught up, so caught up in looking at things on the Internet that I shouldn't have been looking at. I'll never forget, I was going to a prayer meeting. I had a prayer meeting the next day, and, man, I, I just remember reading my Bible and then turning aside to pick up my phone. And I just remember Jesus coming and saying, Luke, I have such a great plan for your life. But I will never move you into the calling that I have for your life until you begin living a holy and pure lifestyle. I said, I can't do it. Why? Because my prayer was, God, don't ever take me somewhere that my character can't sustain me. Don't ever put me in situations or put me in positions of leadership where I don't have a bedrock of character that would sustain me in that position. And Jesus told me, Luke, I can't lead you there. And I remember that next morning I had a prayer meeting and I didn't want to go. I wanted to hide. I wanted to run because I knew that Jesus was calling me out of a life of sin. And he was saying, go, leave your life of sin. And I, I said, how am I supposed to do? I can't, I can't say this. I can't, I can't tell people this. I cannot share this. I can't, God, this is going to ruin me. This is going to ruin, this is going to ruin me. There's no way that I could share this with anybody There's no way that I could, I'm, I'm committing social suicide. I'm, I, I, I'm done after this. If they find me out, I'm done. And I never forget showing up that morning with every excuse to leave, every reason why I didn't want to be there. And Jesus met me as I shared my sin. And I said, this is what I was caught in. This is what I have done. This is what I've been caught up in. And there were loving arms that were extended to me. There wasn't condemnation. There wasn't, there wasn't a, a condemnation that says, you can't do this anymore, and you can't do this anymore, and you need to leave, and you need to... No, no, no. It was, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. God's love is great. God's grace is real. And he will supply everything that you need to be an overcomer in this time of your life. I'll never forget that moment of, of such fear of feeling like I was literally going to die. But isn't that what Jesus calls us to, right? He says, if anyone were to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know, Jesus will never ask us to do something that he won't do himself, Right? He, he will never, he'll never ask us to do something that he won't do himself. It reminds me of a story of uh, there was this young teenage boy who was in high school, and he just kept getting in trouble, kept getting in trouble. And every time he'd have to go with the principal and he'd have to do work. But one time the, the toilets got clogged, right? Toilets got clogged in the bathroom, in the, uh, in the girls' bathroom, be it. And he took him in that restroom. And there were girls who were around, right? And they went, and he saw this clogged toilet, right? There was poop in there. There was toilet paper in there, right? There was just all kinds of nasty stuff in there. And the vice principal said, hey, I need you to reach in there. 
I need you to reach in there. I need you to unclog the toilet. He said, say what? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not doing that, right? He said, I'm not doing that. The vice principal said, we need to unclog the toilet. I need you to take your hand. I need you to reach in there. I need you to pull that stuff out to unclog the toilet. He looked around. He said, no, I'm not doing that. He said, I, I can't. I, I can't do that. So the vice principal came and he took off his jacket, rolled up his sleeve, and stuck his hand in there and pulled out what was clogging it. Went and washed his hands. And he looked at that boy and he told him, I will never ask you to do something that I wouldn't do myself. That is true leadership. And that is the same thing that Jesus does for us. I would never tell you to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me if I wasn't prepared to go to the cross myself. This year, as you know, we reflect back over 2019, all the great things that God's done. And maybe for you, man, it was a hard year. I know I, I have friends right now who are having a hard time because of the loss of family members and the loss of things. But this year, more than anything, more than anything, Lord, would you help me to recognize this gift of life that you've given me? Would you help me to recognize, God, you have given me such a great life and let my response be that I choose you. Let my response be that I, I live for you. All of these scriptures come in my mind when I think about Ephesians chapter 4 when he says, Therefore, brethren, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received, right? In John chapter 17, when Jesus is praying, what does he call eternal life? He says, and this is eternal life. This is eternal life, that they would know you. As he's praying to the Father, he says, this is eternal life, that they would know you. God, would my life this year in 2020, would it be me recognizing the gift that you've given me, but choosing with that to know you more and to help others to know you? As we, as, as we, as we look back on these gifts, just this gift of reconciliation, that's what he's called us to, Right? It's because the life that God has given us, it, that should be an overflow. That should be a response, right? Of the life that God has given us, why would we not want to go out into our workplaces, into our families, into everywhere else in our community and tell people about the life that's been given to us? Why would we not? I, I, I don't know if maybe I'm getting older. Um, and, you know, of course I... I I'm young, but I just know that as I've spent more time with Jesus and as I'm getting older, I just, I just feel this pressing need to tell more and more people about Jesus. And not just on a Sunday morning. Not, not just from a pulpit. And not when everybody else has gathered other people around that this is what we've come for. But in my everyday life, in my everyday conversation with my work, with people that I work with, that Jesus is the one that comes up. Oh, yes, I have other things to talk about. You know, I've got work to get taken care of. But in those times when I'm just conversating with people, am I making it a point to tell people about this life that I found? Understanding and knowing that there's other people who do not have it. This year in 2020, I pray, church, that that would be a goal of yours. That in your workplace, in your family, wherever you go, that it 
would be just on your heart to say, man, can I tell people about Jesus? How can I work that in? How, it's awkward sometimes. I, it is awkward sometimes. Sometimes it's not, not the easiest to tell people about heaven and hell, right? Sometimes it's not, listen, bro, I'm just going to let you know, it's real. I, I told someone this week, I said, honestly, I really believe that there's a heaven and hell. And when you mention things like that, it makes people feel a little uncomfortable, but it's real. It's real. And when you put your life in perspective of eternity, it helps to bring things in perspective. When you recognize that if I were to lose my job today and if I were to lose my house and lose my family and lose my health, all of that doesn't matter because I have gained life, eternal life. And so when we put these things in perspective, why would we not want to spend our days telling people about what God has done in our life, about what he can do in their life? One last scripture. I know I said I was ending with the other one, but man, God's word, it just keeps coming. It just keeps coming. And this is, man, one of my favorite scriptures, Hebrews chapter 12, right? Oh, here we go. I'm going to skip over to verse 2. It says this. I guess as we're talking about the author of life, right? Let's talk about what he's called us to do. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, verse 2, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. But check this. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I'm so thankful for people who have given their life for this gospel. And for me, as I sit back in a cozy home and with a great job, not ever feeling uncomfortable, you know, as far as financially and things like that, I thank God for the blessings, but more so, God, would you, would you help me to recognize that I have, I have not even come close to the point of giving my life for this gospel? Not even close. That when he says, take up your cross and follow me, Right? that I would lay down my life and my dreams and my hopes and my desires and my finances and everything that I have that I might give to him, the one who has given me ultimate life. Oh, it's, it, trust me, it, you, and many of you know, it's great. It's great to get married. It's great to get a house. It's great to have all these things. But let me tell you something. It is so much more far worth it for me to lay down my life and say, God, if I didn't have any of that, I still have you. And let me tell other people about you and come follow me as I follow Christ. Come, let me tell you about the life that he can give you. It's so much better than the life that maybe you built for yourself. It's so much better. Just come follow me. I promise he will show you. Maybe you don't understand it. I don't have all the words to explain it. I can't explain creation. I can't explain all these other things and all these questions that you have. But I can tell you one thing. I was dead in my sins and now I'm alive in Christ. And so just come follow me. 
And I'll tell you, even now, even now at work, I have people who come and, you know, I'm telling them about Jesus and, you know, they want to bring up, well, I watched this documentary that talked about how, you know, the Bible was written by all these different people. And uh, I was watching this one documentary, Do You Believe in Dinosaurs? And they want to avert everything, right? I said, don't worry about all that. I can't explain all that to you. But one thing I can't explain, I was dead in my sins. I was building my life on something that was not going to last. And when I found Jesus, he gave me a life that was full He gave me a life that was beyond anything that I could have ever imagined or hoped or dreamed of in my life. And beyond that, I have a sense of peace that surpasses anything that may happen in my life. I have this sense of peace. And so you're so worried about, oh, man, they're having cut, they're having layoffs or things are going on. And you're so worried about what's going on in your family. Let me tell you something. I have all these same things, but I have peace because of the life that he has given me. Oh, church, my prayer and my hope for you this year is that we would share with other people the life that God has given us, that same light that came into the world through Jesus. If you have given your heart to him, have believed in the name of the one and only son, believe that he died and rose again, that life, that light has come into you, and you are called to be a light in the darkness. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes people don't want to go to the light. We already know the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people don't want to go towards the light. Here's the thing. I never... The the thing is, I, I don't ever want to woo people into Jesus. You know what I mean? You ever see people who try and woo people? Like somebody, he told me today, he's like, hey, make sure you go up there and be like, and amen, right? He was telling me, he's like, make sure you do all that. And I was like, bro, why would I do all that? You know what I mean? Like, that's not me. <laughs> uh, he's like, make sure you, you, you go and you say all these fun stuff. I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> One of the hardest right in the smack dab middle of John, right? Right in the smack dab middle of John, when he's, he has all of these followers, thousands of followers. Jesus comes and he says some hard statements about eating his flesh, that his flesh is real food. And people are like, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? But then he makes a statement. He says, and anybody who comes, they must be drawn by the Father, Right? to me, that Jesus wasn't out to woo people. You'll come if the Father has called you to come, and if not, then he hasn't called you. And for me, I refuse to spend my life just trying to woo people into the kingdom, because it's not, what do I have to say to woo? If, if I have to woo you to come, I have to woo you to stay, and, and that's not worth it. But the crazy thing about that moment is when he said that, thousands of people left his following. People said, this is a hard teaching. How can anyone understand it? And they left in droves. They left in droves. Many, many people left. 
And in that moment, Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, you're going to leave me too? You're going to leave me too? I know you don't understand this teaching. You're going to leave with everybody else? Peter steps up and he says this, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where would we go? Where, where else would I turn? What other religion could I turn to? What other fad could I turn to? What else could I, where else could I go? You have the words of eternal life. Let me land this plane. I promise I'm going to land it. I promise. Um, church, this morning, um, there's, there's two things always. You know, the hard part in, in speaking is you recognize that there's people who don't know the Lord, right? And then there's people who do know the Lord in the service, right? But then there's also other people in the service who just their relationship isn't right with the Lord, right? Maybe they're in that moment with that one lady. Maybe they have just haven't been caught yet, right? Maybe there's people who's, who came for the first time, and they're just like, hey, you know, my family member brought me. I don't even know what this guy's talking about, you know? And then there's other people who have been a follower of Christ for a long time, but you can honestly say, man, I just, I, I haven't given my life. In, in the sense of laying down my life to tell other people about him. I have not been doing that. It saddens me. And I felt convicted myself when I look back over the year and say, how many people have you led to the Lord? How many people have you brought into the kingdom? How many people have you pointed to Jesus? And for years and years, I lived a life where I just said, oh, it's fine that I go and do ministry, but I never loved anybody to the Lord. For years and years, I led a life where it's just like, hey, guys, I received this life. Hey, guys, I received this life. Hey, guys, I received this life. But never extended a hand to say, do you want to receive it too? Do you want to receive this life? And if you're here today and maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, you're just like, man, you know, that's me. I, I can look back over 2019 I could probably, I don't even know if I could count on one hand the, the amount of people that I've led to Jesus. Or maybe even that I've told about Jesus. Oh, please, I urge you, I urge you, please live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. In Romans, he says, off your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto him, right? That we would offer to say, God, you take my life and do with it as you please. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call up the worship team. <clears throat> you guys can come on up. And uh, we're, we are going to sing one more song. But this morning, before all that happens, I really want to pray. I just want to pray this morning and pray for those in this audience. Um, number one, if, if you don't know Jesus, right, it is a sweet life. It is life eternal. It is knowing that if I were to die today, that I would be in the presence of my Savior. That if I were to die today, I would be in the presence of Jesus. Oh, it's a sweet gift. The second people I want to pray for today is 
man, if, if maybe there are just some struggles in your life that you're like, man, I, I, just, I really haven't gotten them off my chest. You don't have to be caught in the act to get it off your chest. Let me tell you that. Don't wait until that time. It's not worth it. Don't let it eat you up inside. Jesus didn't come that you might be condemned. He came that you might have life. He wants you to have peace in this life. He doesn't want you to go around always feeling guilty for the things that you're caught in. He doesn't want you to live that life. Oh, how many years I lived in that, in that muck of just feeling so disgusted with myself and never feeling like I could tell anybody because I just felt so condemned. Oh, don't live another year like that. Don't let another day go by like that. Don't let another week or a month go by like that. Oh, how many years I lived in that because I never wanted to share. That's not the life that God has called us to. Go now. Leave your life of sin. And for those of you guys who just say, man, I, I really this year, man, I, I don't know all the things that God has for me, but if there's one thing I do this year, let me lead somebody to the Lord. Let me lead a group of people to the Lord. Let me tell people about what he's done in my life. Oh, I want to pray that, man, the Holy Spirit would just move in you even now to say, God, would you give me a boldness and a courage to tell people about this gift that I've been given? It's a gift, guys. People like gifts. I just want to let you know it's such a great thing to talk about. So would you stand as we close? Here are the three prayers. Number one, um, if you're in this place and uh, you say, you know what, I, I don't know the Lord. Right now, I, I, I want to pray, pray and just say a prayer. Just say this prayer with me. Again, it's not about necessarily me praying the prayer over you. It's, it's about you just coming and believing the words of this prayer. And so everyone, bow your heads and close your eyes. Pray this prayer with me, church. And if this is you who doesn't know the Lord, believe this in your heart. Say this. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, church. Say, dear Jesus. Thank you for the love that you've given me, for the love that you've shown me. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for me that I might have life. I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again after three days that I might have life. I give you my heart and I give you my life in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends. That would help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the mission of Central Valley Church, go to cbcmadera.churchcenter.com for more information. We love you. God bless.